Do you feel that yoga is something that's out of reach for you or that yoga, maybe you're too old to start or that you're not flexible enough or that you've just never been physically oriented? Maybe you feel like you're not the right size to do yoga or that it, you have to be off in a cave somewhere in order to do yoga or meditate or any of those kinds of things. Well, I'm here to tell you and teach you about yoga, about how to connect with yourself into something larger, greater than yourself. Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Saraswati. This is Nourishing Life, where health meets consciousness. So, hey there, welcome back. I'm so glad that you are, are here with me. The first thing about yoga that I just wanna get straight right off the bat is that yoga is not the cult of flexibility, right? You don't have to be able to put your foot over, knees, over top of your head in order to practice yoga. So yoga is not the cult of flexibility, it's the cult of freedom. That means freedom. That means freedom. You see what I'm saying? So what I'd like to do today, because yoga is an ancient technology, is with ancient technologies and most wisdom traditions, we actually start at the very beginning by really giving deference to those great beings who have walked this path before us. And so I'd like to just acknowledge that, that this is an ancient technology. And I'd like to lay out for you a couple of, um, of the, the main paths of yoga, of which this practice, the physical practice, is just one way to achieve yoga. And then um, towards the middle of, the, um, of our time together, we'll actually go into a breath practice as well as learn one pose together. So um, let's start with um, the word yoga itself. It comes from the root word, which is yog or yoj. Um, that's the Sanskrit root. And maybe you know this, but Sanskrit and English have a similar root um, in terms of languages. And the word yoga is very close, sounds like the word yoke. And that a yoke is something that brings the ox and the cart together, that wooden piece that holds them together. And that's exactly what yoga is. It's something, it's a process or the experience of being brought back together. So what is being brought back together? It's, it's the way that it's ourselves with something much larger than ourselves. And what, what that, for me, what that means and what I teach about so often, I teach about in our course that's online right now um, for women's health and conception. But I talk about the suffering that many of us carry is it's rooted in that feeling separate or outside of, or if I could only find my way to be included in or feeling part of or connected with, and we strive and strive, and that process of striving to become included actually um, ignites sort of a, a undercurrent of stress in the body. So, so that, that's what's being brought back together is this, it's, it's, um, it's really um, finding a way to purify, uh, purify these feelings of being separate, of separateness. In fact, one of my teachers describes all suffering or all pain 
comes from that separation from the divine. Um, and then, so that's the first kind of pain. And then the second kind of pain is all of the things that we do to deal with the first kind of pain, whether it's getting into addictions or getting into mental health disorders or getting into workaholism or whatever we need to do to self-soothe, to get ourselves able to move through our day. So this is a practice that helps to um, bring ourselves back together with something much greater than ourselves, a kind of universality. And something I like to talk about is becoming much more intimate with ourselves, like really being close to myself, knowing myself, unraveling the layers. That's what yoga is. And, and now, didn't you think it was like running around doing kind of these slow jumping jacks or something like that? Or that it's a physical practice where, gosh, my knee hurts or I'm this or I'm that. It's not. It's none of those things. So going back to this ancient technology, there's actually four main paths or what we call paths of yoga. In fact, um, my, one of my greatest mentors and close, close a close student of his Ramdas has a book that describes these paths of yoga. It's, he calls it the paths of God, um, a study of the Bhagavad Gita. But the four paths, um, and he does it so well in that book, so check out that book, The Paths of God or The Paths of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, the four broad paths are bhakti is one, one path. Um, and bhakti is the practice or path of devotion, of unconditional love, of, of living a sacred life. And some of the practices of bhakti, maybe you know, I even practice them myself, are uh, repeating mantra or sacred syllables that have big meaning, like short word, big meaning. And in fact, the vibration of the sound itself is the meaning, is the prayer. So that's mantra. Um, and then chanting. Chanting is another form of, of bhakti. Um, there's many forms, and we can actually touch on this at other times, or if you have questions, please ask them, and we'll, we'll, we'll reach out to you and get that answer to you in, in the comments below. The second path, so we have bhakti. The second path we have is karma yoga, and karma actually means work, or it means action, or it can mean service, in service of other people. So by helping other people, and really, let's actually, um, and the word in, in, uh, in Sanskrit is seva, is another word for service. All, all of that belongs to karma yoga. And this is how we serve other people, or maybe we can actually uh, give one more word to help describe it, which is selfless service. So that is meaning I'm doing something for someone else that myself is not involved. Selfless service. And that's its own path. So let me just clarify, this is its own path to reconnecting to yourself, to that intimacy, and to connect it to something larger. Like, you know, I'm Saraswati, so I could be Saraswati with little s, meaning me and my life, and I'm teaching right now, and you know, I'm a clinician, I go to the clinic, and this is Prem, and like that. So this is my little life, Saraswati with the little s, and then Saraswati with the big s is that part of me that goes way, way, way beyond 
this body and this life and this part of me that's already connected to everything. And so we get into this mind state where little s Saraswati and big Saraswati are somehow different. This is a practice of closing in that gap, of purifying the body and mind so that there's no separation from the part of me that's in my life and the part of me that's connected to the divine. Okay, so those are two paths, bhakti and karma. A third path is called uh, jnana or gyan. Those are the same words, one's Hindi, one's Sanskrit. And gyan means the path of knowledge or the path of study. So we can actually read books, we can read ancient literature, we can contemplate, we can write, we can really try to um, use the mind as a means to go beyond the mind. Hmm. <laughs> Think about that, but that's truly its own path. And a famous um, teacher of this is Ramana Maharshi, and he had a very special um, practice called neti neti, which means not this, not that, or not this, not this. And that's the practice of who am I? So contemplating, this is Gyan Yoga. Who am I if I am not um, a sister? Who am I if I'm not a doctor? Who, if I, who am I if I'm not a wife? Who, if, who am I if I'm not a female? Who am I if I'm not a dog owner? Right, all of my identifications. Who am I? This is that journey of using the mind to penetrate and go beyond the mind. That's its own path to liberation or that freedom we're talking about. And then the fourth path of yoga is called Raja Yoga, Raj, meaning king or the king's path, um, or it's called um, um, Ashtanga Yoga, which means the eight-limbed eight path or the eightfold path. And within Raja Yoga, Hatha Yoga is part of. Now Hatha, Ha means sun, and Ta means moon. Interesting, right? Sun, moon, opposites, bringing them together into one thing. Hatha yoga means all the ways we use our body and breath as a means to open up, to become free, to unravel the layers so that we become unified using the body as a path. And within that, um, there are eight very specific steps. Um, I'm gonna leave that part of the conversation to the next time we revisit the yoga series. But for today, what I'd like to say a little bit more about yoga is that it's comprised of, um, certainly rooted in an ethical base um, called the yamas and the niyamas. That's the way I am with myself in the world, kind of my code that I will live by. And niyamas are the ways that I'm going to work, um, operate in the world and interact with all of you. We'll unpack that in a later session as well. Um, today we're gonna to focus on hatha yoga, that is the um, breath and body. Um, and then very specifically, I, as a Chinese medicine practitioner and as a holistic gynecologist, I found myself, you know, early on in the late 90s or 2000s, I was already a practicing acupuncturist since the early 90s. 
And so when I would raise my arms up to the sky, I could feel myself expanding, reaching up into yang chi, kind of the energies of heaven or the sun. And then I would inhale and absorb all that. And I could feel it channel through my body as I would fold over and then really connect and, um, and uh, resonate with the earth energy or yin energy. So I was all, as I was practicing yoga, I was already putting in so much of um, Chinese medicine into the yoga practice. And over time, this developed into what emerged in 2007 as Tao Flow Yoga. And I actually brought it out to the world in my series of Tao Flow practices, which are designed for women's health and geared towards really um, enhancing and stimulating the whole endocrine system. And um, so there's a hormonal balance practice that we have, which is a quick 20 minute practice. We call it the anytime, or you can do it anytime in your cycle, whether you're uh, in your reproductive years, perimenopause, or in your menopause years, all of this practice is helpful for all of you, us. Um, and then there's the Tao Flow series, which are four practices geared to help regulate your menstrual cycle, as well as balance hormones and support uh, the, the chance to become pregnant. And so each week of the menstrual cycle, the moon cycle, the menstrual cycle, there is a practice um, geared towards the fluctuations of hormones on each at each week and we would call the fluctuations of hormones the fluctuations of yin and yang so the very the specific tissues that are activated during that week each week those specific meridians both in chinese medicine and in western medicine that's the languaging that is in, uh, uh, combined into the methodology of a hatha yoga practice so in a certain way it's like giving yourself a self acupuncture treatment just by doing this practice, you know, getting, healing yourself at home. That's what I intended it to be. So um, you can certainly find that. Um, so I feel like that's enough talking for today. Um, I would like to share a piece of poetry that really speaks to me, that really captures a lot of what I've just shared, kind of coming from here, but it really is coming from my heart because this is, um, you know, this work is work that I love. It's like gestated in me and comes out to you as truly an offering and a wish for your well-being. And I mean that sincerely. So this is a piece by Rilke. I believe in all that has never yet been spoken. I want to free what waits within me so that what no one has dared to wish for may for once spring clear without my contriving. If this is arrogant, God forgive me, but this is what I need to say. May what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back, the way it is with children. Then in these swelling and ebbing currents, these deepening tides moving out and then returning, I will sing you as no one ever has, streaming through widening channels, 
into the open sea. speaks and unravels, loosens something us in us, finds another way in beyond the intellect. It kind of slips in. <laughs> All right, so let's breathe for a moment together, and then I want to turn to a yoga practice. I'm going to slip these things aside. So yogic breathing is what we'll breathe all in and out through the nose and so I'd love for you to sit with a tall spine and that might mean you're sitting on a, a blanket or a block or a pillow or if you're sitting in a chair I'd like for you to sit to the edge of the chair so your feet are flat on the floor okay about hips width apart either way you can have a tall spine and that's what the most important thing about yogic breathing is the next thing is that it's all in and out through the nose and yogic breathing is deep, long, and smooth, okay? So that means we're gonna inhale to the count of six, and then hold it, and then exhale to the count of six, and then hold it. I might even invite you to place your hands on your belly so that you can actually feel like the breath really filling up the whole lung. So often our, our breathing is kind of just more shallow, that's more stressful breathing, kind of a more hectic breathing. This breath practice is going to slow the breath rate down from about 14 to 16 breaths a minute, all the way down to six to eight breaths. And that is deeply relaxing to the body, deeply relaxing to the nervous system, which then puts the body naturally in a healing mode healing, grounding, and centering. All right, so let's do um, maybe three rounds of this together. So we'll start again with that tall spine and we'll start with an exhale, get all the air out, all right? And now please take the breath in. Hold, pause, and breath out. All through the nose, pull the belly, back to the spine and pause. Let's do that two more times. Inhale. Exhale. Pull the belly back to the spine. Empty everything out and pause. Last time. Yoga pose. All right, you ready? Okay, the 
this. Everybody can do this, men and women. So this pose is called bound angle or reclining bound angle. Its traditional name is Sutta Baddha Konasana. Um, and this pose is geared to open up the chest as well as open up the lower body. So I have really claimed it as a signature pose for Tao Flow Yoga because we're really working with the upper and lower holders of blood, the uterus and the heart, but it's not limited to this practice and it's certainly not limited to females, but it really, if you had to just pick one pose to bring your hormones into balance, it very well may just be this pose. All right, so I'm gonna set this aside here, this, bring my bolster out. So if you have a bolster, that's great. Um, and otherwise you can use some stacked blankets. I have some of my blocks that I love. You can put this here instead of the bolster. Um, we can also use these under the knees to support. So let me show you how this goes. You're gonna bring your bottom to the bolster or your stack of blankets and start with your feet flat, knees high, okay? and then bring the soles of the feet together and begin to drop the knees wide. Now, some of you may not be able to drop the knees all the way down. You might wanna have them supported on, again, a blanket, a book, a, you know, these blocks, um, which are our favorite blocks, and we have them over at our website. Um, as you like, and then you'll lower yourself down onto the, bolster and just check out what happens here. So my chest is opening. This is for all of us or you that have anxiety, any kind of shortness of breath, any kind of depression. You know, in my clinic, probably 80%, I kid you not, of people are, are dealing with ongoing anxiety. And um, so this opens up the chest. You can feel your chest spreading right here and when the chest opens and spreads it has a way of calming down the mind opening up the spirit allowing all the tension that gets held from you know all the different streams of stressors just to kind of seep its way out and drip away out of the hands and onto the floor okay so we're going to do that and then as you allow your lower body the inner leg to open the meridians that traverse the inner leg uh, bring strong movement and influence to the tissues of the pelvic bowl, you know, all of the reproductive tissues. So here we're opening and softening the chest, but also encouraging um, a lot of circulation and movement throughout all of these tissues. So I'm kind of giving a reset here. And when we encourage pelvic blood flow, after all, we're allowing blood to flow in to these tissues. And when blood flows in, guess what happens? Waste products move out. That means it enriches, nourishes, and brings really vital life force, like enlivening this part of the body. And we don't really use this part of the body to grow a baby. It is our creative center. It's the second chakra. Um, but all of our creativity, men and women, come through this come through this this part of the body so of course we need to have this 
um, activated and open and circulating. And you know, life's ordeals cause us to grip down on like the grip of death in this area, kind of because we're gripping to save our own lives, running from thing to do, thing to do to deal with all of kind of the stressors and challenges. So really opening everything up and letting it go allows for life force to return. So again, this second chakra is about um, creating, whether you're creating new life or you're allowing the, the muse or the creative life force to come through you to whatever you wanna create, whether it's a poem or a piece of pottery or you're starting a business or you wanna write a book or maybe you crochet or whatever you do, you're creating, it's you, it's your life force. So that's what this pose is for, calming down the heart and opening up your own creative flow. So take a deep breath right here, allow your eyes to fall closed and then practice that breathing practice we just did. Inhaling and exhaling to the count of six. And you can stay here as long as you like. There's no, um, there's no limit. You can also practice this without the blocks. That might feel good. You can have a little bit more of a stretch to the, uh, to the legs. So really wanting to ground down here, you can feel more of this opening here if you have that flexibility. All right, and then the palms are up. And you wanna actually elongate the neck a little bit. So you might just bring the chin towards the chest just a little bit, not in a deep chin lock, but just a little bit here, okay? And really seeing the soles of the feet together. And then the way we get out of this pose is bring the knees up, feet flat, and you can hug the knees into the chest and really just rock yourself up or you can roll over onto your side, kind of gently and push your way up. Both ways are good. All right, well, that is what we have for you today. This is Nourishing Life. I hope you feel that your life is nourished and I hope you'll come back and join us another time. Namaste.